You're listening to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. In this episode, Reverend Josh Squires continues our mini-series on anger. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling at First Presbyterian Church of Columbia. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns about our show, or would like to reach out to Pastor Squires about something you've heard in this episode, please don't hesitate to do so. You can find all of our contact information on our website at firstpresscolumbia.org. If you would like to stay up to date with new episodes as they come out, you can download our app. Just search for First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina, in the app store of your choice. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and to those around you. Let's get to the conversation. back to 1A as we continue to look at the issue of anger. In our last episode, we looked at why people are angry right now. And so if you just happen to be uh, jumping into this series here in the middle, I would encourage you to go back and to listen to that episode, uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. So, you know, a relatively quick episode, and it will set you up well for what does Scripture say about anger? And that's what we want to talk about now, because again, just like with sadness, sometimes I think people have the wrong impression about what Scripture has to say about anger. Well, the first thing we need to say about anger is that anger is not always entirely sinful. Of course, that's true. Uh, We see this in Christ's life himself. He gets angry most notably with the money changers at the temple. They had begun to take advantage of the people and begun to use what they needed in order to make right sacrifices, to be right with the Lord and the system of sacrifice that he put out in the law. They were using that to their own advantage. They they weren't just helping provide something and making a living for themselves. They were taking advantage of the people who wanted to be pious, and especially those who were of a lower economic economic class. They were they were really taking advantage of them. And so Jesus gets very angry, as well he should, and he drives them out with a whip that he makes himself. I mean, that's pretty angry. Uh, he's not worried about doing physical damage to these robbers and thieves that had set themselves up there in the temple. And so if we think that anger is sinful, we're going to have a problem with Jesus when we get to him and his response to those money changers. Of course, it's not just Christ, not just the second person in the Trinity whose anger is righteous and that we meet inside of Scripture, but it's the Father, the first person as well. In fact, that's what hell is. Hell is the living embodiment. It's the local expression of the Father and his wrath. It's two parts. It's a removing of divine favor. I remember Derek talking to us as students about this nearly 20 years ago now, which tells you how impactful it was on me that I still remember it. But talking about how God the Father is so holy in in his being, 
that he can't choose to be in the presence of sin. Whenever sin is around, he cannot help but withdraw his divine favor the moment sin comes anywhere near. In the same way that you and I can't choose to put our finger on a hot stove and just keep it there sizzling. The moment it becomes hot, the moment we're aware that our finger has touched something red hot, we immediately withdraw. It's part of our nature. It's part of our reaction. And that's the same thing with God and his holiness. The moment sinfulness comes around, he withdraws. But he not only withdraws, that's the removing of divine favor. He pours out and it's the pouring out of divine wrath. And that, of course, is anger. Now, imagine if he didn't get angry. You see, some people really have a problem with this. They have a problem with the idea of a God who has a hell. And let me tell you, if the gospel is true, I have a problem with a God who doesn't have hell. Imagine this. Imagine an earthly father. And this earthly father sees his son being derided, being mocked, being scorned, being beaten, being betrayed. How should that earthly father react? Should he just take it lightly? Should he walk over and pat his son on the head but say, no, it's okay? It's okay that they're doing that to you. No, a good reaction from a good father who wants to protect his son and loves his son is to be angry, not necessarily act out in that anger, doing something to those children, but being angry is actually a good response in that moment. Well, Jesus Christ makes a pact with his father that he will come and he will die for his people. And those who don't believe in Jesus Christ are spitting in the face of, they are deriding that sacrifice, the sacrifice by the perfect person who chose to take on sins and chose to die. And if God the Father didn't get angry at people who would mock that level of sacrifice, the biggest piece of injustice ever where the sinless man takes the sin of all his people, if that father didn't get angry at that, I can't imagine him being a good father. And so to a certain extent, you have to understand that anger, anger is not just tolerated. Anger, anger is a good thing. Now, anger is talked about quite frequently in Scripture, and it is, of course, not always good. In fact, it is most often not good. It's something that needs to be controlled rather than something that we're allowed to just let loose. We're told a number of things. Ephesians 4 really acts as a good guidestone here. It talks about anger as much, if not more, than any other chapter inside of the Bible. And one of the things that it tells us is that we shouldn't let the sun go down on our anger. Now, that does not mean that we shouldn't let the sun go down while we're angry. A lot of people have taken it to mean that you should never go to bed angry. That's that's a good folksy saying, and in general, that's helpful. You don't want to stoke bitterness or whatever, and if you can work things out, that's fine. But every once in a while, you know, your spouse or your friend or your coworker or whoever, they do something that makes you angry and you're tired. It's 9 p.m. and they sent an email that made you angry. And you just need to go get some rest. And that's okay. Scripture's not telling you never go to bed angry. What it's telling you is you don't let the sun go down on your anger. You don't let that anger fester and turn into bitterness. 
turn into the sort of thing that kills both you and makes you want to kill the spirit of another. In fact, that's really the biggest thing for Scripture is that Scripture wants to make sure that when you are angry, that your anger has a righteous expression and a righteous focus. That anger expresses itself sinfully all the time. In fact, oftentimes what I'll tell people in counseling is, though there is righteous anger, I've never seen it. Every expression of anger that I've ever seen has some tinge of sin inside of it. But we need to make sure that that sin, when we see it, express itself in our anger, that we're doing our best to kill it. So we shouldn't do things like gossip, and we shouldn't do things like slander. In other words, we shouldn't use our anger to deride others. We shouldn't use it as a weapon against others. We should use it as a way to help build up rather than to help tear down. And the way that anger is used in order to help build up is that anger is a really good wrecking ball. And the thing that needs to be wrecked is sin. That's why God the Father's anger is focused on sin. When when you sin, it's his wrath. It's, it's his anger there. It's why Jesus and his anger is focused on the temple changers. They're sinning. They're causing other people to stumble. They're keeping other people from engaging in the sort of sacrifices that allow them to have the comfort of their God. And so anger is meant to destroy sin. It's meant to be focused on sin. Now, that being said, there is one maxim inside of Scripture about our anger and about sin, and that is that we are to be more angry and upset with our own sin than we are with anybody else's. So if we are constantly angry at other people's sin, my spouse continues to sin in ways that irritate me, my children continue to sin in ways that irritate me, my coworkers and friends continue to sin, my church continues to sin in ways that irritate me, but I am never irritated at myself. In fact, when I'm irritated at myself or my sin is few and far between, but when I'm irritated at other people's sin, it happens all the time, that is a sign of unhealthy and unrighteous anger. Our anger should be focused at ourselves first and foremost. Our anger should be focused on our own sin. We're so destroyed by our sin that we grieve it. And in that grief cycle, like we talked about last time, there is anger. And we want that sin to stop. So what does Scripture have to tell us about anger? Well, it has to tell us that anger is not always bad, but anger should be used in order that sin might be destroyed. So we're going to talk about what we do with our anger next time. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you. Please tune in next time. And again, if you missed our first episode, make sure you check that out. And we'll see you in episode three. God bless. 